This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, I got another heads up for you as the scams morph, this one concerning people pretending to be the IRS. And later, a report that says that way beyond a majority of Americans no longer have a job that supports a solid middle-class life. I want to talk about that. The solutions aren't really that easy. I want to talk right now about something that I am ecstatic to share with you. New survey says, this was done, a survey done of a couple of lenders that first-time home buyers are doing something that makes them different than first-time home buyers as far back as I can ever remember. Three quarters of first-time home buyers overall and 85% of first-time home buyers are remembering to say, show me the money before they go to the first open house. All right, let me tell you what I'm addressing here because this is really important. Historically, and especially for first-time home buyers, people interested in buying a home would go out and look at homes, get excited, and then say, huh, how are we going to pay for this thing? And then most often they would take a referral to a lender from a real estate agent, or if they were looking at new construction from the captive salespeople working for the developer. And that would be the entire sum total of research that most home buyers would do for a loan. But it seems after the tumult we've been through that there's actually a side benefit, and that is that people are putting things in the right order. Homes now, maybe cars in the future, that people are going out and figuring out what the picture would look like for monthly payment, what kind of price point, home. And by the way, with vehicles, I always talk about how payment buyers get clobbered in the car buying process. But with buying a home... You've got to know what that payment would be and base whether or not it's affordable in your life by your prior experience as a renter. And how much more, if at all, monthly payment could you actually stomach? And then you back into a purchase price, completely backwards of how I like for you to think about buying a car. 
Because if you go based on what you get pre-approved for, for a mortgage, you'll typically be pre-approved for far more money than what that translates into in a monthly payment that you can actually hang with. Historically, the main error that first-time home buyers would make is they would only go to a single lender to get quotes. But I want you to know, when you're looking at buying a home, getting multiple quotes is core to you getting a good deal on that financing because there will be significant, large differences, not necessarily in the rate, but in the costs to secure that loan that you'll have from one lender to another. I do feel, though, that once you have narrowed in on who you want to go with, I like for you for the purchase of a home to deal with a human rather than with some loan you find just straight on the internet because there's more complexities with closing on a loan for the purchase of a home than just doing a refi later when you already own a home. Pam is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Pam. How you doing? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Great, thank you. Pam, you want to throw me into something that's been a debate for as far back as I can remember on what saves money trying to stay warm through the cold weather season. Correct. Hit me with it. I have a two-story house, 2,000 square feet. I don't use all of it. I don't want to run my electric heat all the time. I use space heaters in individual rooms when I'm in those rooms. And someone said to me, well, those space heaters use more electricity than your electric heat does. So the answer is both, but you actually save a lot of money if you do what has been done in Europe for as long as I can remember, where you zone heat your home. So if you have a home that you've got a lot of rooms that really you don't use much at all, using a space heater will likely save you money. And I know everybody in the HVAC business is like, Clark, you just don't get it. But actually, what you're thinking of doing will potentially save you money. And it's you know in europe where energy costs historically have been much higher than in the united states the idea of central heating a home is looked at as an extravagant luxury because of the cost of heating spaces you're not using great then i've had the right idea to start with well again i am not Uh, an expert in HVAC, and we will hear almost certainly on Clark Stinks from people who feel like I'm sticking my nose in something that I don't know, but I can tell you the math on it is that what you're considering doing is cheaper. Even though the cost of, this is where the person who told you it's more expensive, it it does use um, more energy when you're using a space heater to, to heat that one bit of square footage, but because you're not heating the rest of the square footage, that's why it ends up being, on balance, a whole lot cheaper 
to zone heat as you're considering. Okay. You feel good about it? I do. I feel good about it. Thank you very much. No curtains nearby, anything like that. You know, you got to be careful with space heaters that you don't cause a fire hazard. Right. And the ones I use are the uh, infrared. Okay. All right. So be safe and save that money. Thank you so much. Sure. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Darla's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Darla, you want to save money also. I sure do. I'm all about saving money. Well, let's see if I can help. Well, I have uh, recently purchased a new printer for my computer, and I am finding that I am spending so much money on ink that it is, I just got to do something different. (laughs) Um, I use the computer for a very, very small business, um, but I do a lot of handouts and flyers and things for several organizations that I volunteer for. Um, And so I just need a better deal on ink. Well, let's talk that through. How much did you spend on the printer? Oh, the printer was fairly inexpensive. I think it was around $60. Okay, so treat the $60 as what economists refer to as sunk costs. Just use that printer till you run out of the ink that you have for it. And if you're doing a substantial amount of printing, I want you to buy one of the new printers that the ink is uh, virtually free. Right. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm interested in. So you'd have to start from scratch. And it used to be a one-horse race, and now it's a two-horse race in a substantial way. Something that Epson started doing, and now Brother is doing so as well. And here's the trick with both Epson and Brother. Not all their printers have the nearly free ink. They have specific product lines that are for the... Uh, ones that have ultra-cheap ink. And Brother calls them the ink vestment, I-N-K vestment line. And so if you buy those, instead of paying $60 for a printer, you're going to find you're spending more like $175, something like that, for for the Brother ink vestment line. Okay. And the way they work, and the same thing with Epson is depending on how much a workhorse you need the printer to be, how many copies you're doing, it'll guide you on um, which capacity one you need. So I do an enormous amount of printing for our show and all the associated stuff with it. So I have a high-capacity Epson, and their line is called EcoTank. And so it can handle... Um, high production runs, high volume printing, and a lot of volume. If you go with a fancier one, if you don't need to do an enormous amount of printing, on sale you'll find that there's a little more expensive than the Brothers, usually around 220 kind of range. Mm-hmm. And But with either of these, the beauty is that instead of you going in to buy cartridges, and the cartridges cost three times what the printer cost you at right, 60 bucks. exactly. <laughs> Usually with the uh, Brother and the Epson systems, you get two years of ink free with the purchase, and when you need more ink, it costs like nothing. Oh, that's great. So that's great. The, um, the places you go to buy printers usually are not going to be excited about you buying either the 
uh, eco tanks or the or the ink vestment lines because the office supply stores make so much money selling that hugely expensive printer ink. Ink, right? And I've tried some of the online um, ink suppliers that do the remanufactured and things, and I've not had a had great luck with that either. I've found a few that are good. Some of them don't um, last. I, I really don't know how much ink is in it when I get it. And, you know, it's just not been a good thing. And I thought there's got to be a better way. And this is the better way. I love them. Uh, we actually have three of them for our website, and they function very well. No hiccups, no problems at all. They just save money. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mike. Yes, how are you doing, sir? Great, thank you, Mike. How can I be of service to you? Yeah, I'm just looking for uh, like a low-cost, low-fee, like a debit card or a loadable card I can give to my son for just basic expenses like gas for his car and things like that. I got one for my daughter, his his uh, older sister. Uh, I'm not supposed to mention names, but it is it was low-fee instant transfers but they only allow one account per person so i had to go find another company i have yet to find anything like that now is that is that card a bluebird card or a different one yes it is yes it is so bluebird in order to limit potential risk only allows one card per person but it would be one for your son one for your daughter so that would be two people well, no, they don't allow it. They don't allow it for. I had to actually put it in my name, and they don't allow it for anybody under eighteen. Oh, but Bluebird is perfect. That's the one I was mentioning. Yeah, Bluebird but is. I can't find anybody else like them. Because USAA does it for its members, and I'm not aware of any other out there that does the great job that that Bluebird does with um without the fees and so is there any family member or close friend who you trust well enough that you could have them open a second bluebird account that your son could use yeah possibly i just thought i'd see if there's anybody else like bluebird but you you answered my question so the funny thing i uh for tv i did a story on Bluebird many years ago when they started, and I and my foolishness said at the time that this is going to start a revolution in these prepaid cards, and instead of people being feed to death for them, they're going to routinely be free, and I was so naive, I was so wrong, and Bluebird really sits out there by itself offering a card that's not all about feeing you to death. And I, I really am disappointed that I was wrong because I thought it would create a market without all the ripoff products that are available that you see in the drug stores and convenience stores and all that for the prepaid cards. Okay. So get a friend or family member you know you can trust, and that would be your ticket. All right. Well, thank you. Sure. Have a great day. Today's Clark Rageous Moment is an update for you on something that has been going on for about the last, oh, last tax season. It's been going on for more than a year now, 
And it is a new warning from the FTC that criminals are really succeeding with the IRS impersonation thing, where that's why we're getting so many of these junk phone calls impersonating the IRS and being told that you have to pay right now for a tax bill you owe or else, and the criminals overwhelmingly now have migrated to gift cards of various types or prepaid cards like we were just talking about a minute ago. And I want you to know that when you are receiving a phone call from someone who is saying they're from the IRS and you must pay right this second or else, it doesn't work that way. Make sure every family member knows it doesn't work that way. And the IRS is not ever going to demand that you run off to a convenience store or Walmart and buy some kind of stored value card of some kind or a green dot card to send money right away so you don't go to jail or whatever. It is a con. It is a scam. Do not engage these people in conversation. I'm so glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you, your wallet, your future. I want to talk about your wallet and your future straight ahead. And we're all about giving you ideas so you can save more and spend less. And don't anybody ever rip you off. You know, you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. So there's something going on in so much of the developed world where people are really frustrated right now, feeling like they can't get ahead. This is not just an American thing. And election cycles taking place around the world there have been strong swings in the political environment in country after country. If the left is in power, they get thrown out and the right will come in. Or if the right's in, they get thrown out and the left comes in. Or people that fit loosely the term populists end up coming into office because people feel like they can't get traction. One study that came out recently said that around 60% of jobs that we hold won't land you in the middle class. Now, another study that I quoted months ago from the Pew Charitable Trust said that actually half of us have jobs. So one says roughly 40% have jobs that will land you in the middle class. The other says 50%. So I don't care how you slice that, in a country historically that roughly somewhere seven to eight out of ten of us could go get a full-time job, maybe, and be able to have what was considered to be a middle-class lifestyle, that is something that has become very difficult. A lot of politicians look for simple answers to this. And I know the unions have been leading these one-job demonstrations and strikes in cities that are that are union oriented saying you know one job should be enough why should somebody have to have two or three jobs to pay for life's basics and absolutely 
I mean, who is not frustrated by the difficulty people are having in the job market getting a job that pays enough? The nature of work has changed a lot. And whether you're pro or anti-union, unions used to, and when we had a big factory environment before all the automation, that uh, a factory job in a union shop would generally get somebody a paycheck that they could support a middle-class life. That's just a fact, regardless of how you or I feel about unions. And so now the entire nature of work has changed. And over each generation, a majority of jobs that exist become obsolete to be replaced with new kinds of jobs. And we're in a very unhealthy environment right now with the reality employers have the upper hand even in a time of low unemployment. That's why wages have not escalated like economic models would have predicted with us having such low unemployment in the United States. And so we have structural issues that aren't going to be solved in a day, will not be solved with slogans. And, you know, my answer always is a narrow one. And who knows how accurate I am. But my belief has been that in a time where technology has become so important in almost every type of work that we have to rethink how we educate ourselves in the United States, as well as other countries need to as, uh, do that also. And it needs to be about us having an attitude of continuous education and training through a working lifetime. If you think about, for most of us, we will go through two generations through our adult working lifetime. And if half or more of the jobs become obsolete in each generation, we are on the wrong side of the odds there. And so having a mindset that needs to be a societal mindset, but in the meantime, it needs to be about you and me knowing that the marketplace moves. And if we're not going to be left behind and not going to be in a position where we feel like we have to work two or three jobs just to have some stability financially in our lives, it requires this thought of lifelong learning. We in America have held tight to a concept that education ends late teens to mid-20s. And then from that point forward, education's done. But that will not work in our economy as it is today and moving forward. And we have this big mismatch in America where a lot of the jobs are going unfilled because there are not people who are qualified for those jobs. And this becomes where we need a new compact between industry and government and us. And our education system, particularly our state-supported trade schools, need to pivot based on the current needs of employers in the job market in an area where that trade school or technical college is located so that people can continually learn new skills 
that are in demand in the workplace where employers would like to give generous checks to people who have those skills and they can't find the workers. Again, that's one picture, that's one answer. But I believe that a lot of the unrest in the world right now is because of the fact that it has become more difficult and doesn't lend itself to 10-second sound bites to create an environment where people can earn more. This is solvable, and it will require you and me to take more responsibility. But the way things are right now leads to enormous insecurity and dissatisfaction, and that is not healthy for our free society. Adam's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Adam. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Adam. You are someone coming up, and you were right at an age I was just talking about. You're 22, right? Yes, sir. And I was talking about how so often we think about our educational cycle in our life ending sometime in just a couple of years from where you are right now, that that would be the cap on it. What is it you do for a living? Are you in school or are you working? Excuse me, I'm uh, a brand new electrical engineer. I just graduated in May. Wow, so you picked one of the 10 most sought after, highest paid uh, educational skills there are. Yes, I did. And did, were you drawn to that because you love it and you're, it's a natural for you? Or did you gravitate to it because you knew it was so good in the job market? Um, I kind of grew up and I was interested in a lot of, uh, I guess, electronics and circuits and all that. There was a toy I had that I played around with uh, probably around fifth grade that I really got me interested in circuits and all that. Um, and then I just kept taking science classes and it just kind of drew me in when I was applying to college. So. Well, how yeah. perfect is this? Because not only are you doing what you love, but you love something that is a really good place to be in the job market. Yeah, it's pretty perfect. How about that? Well, how can I be of service to you today? Well, um, as I just started my new job, I'm wondering about health insurance. Um, and since I am still under 26, I could be still under my dad's health care plan and I wouldn't have to pay anything through my company or I could participate in my company's uh, high deductible health care plan with an HSA um, and then I would spend the money for insurance as well as putting money into that account and I was wondering what you think I should do well let's on... talk about your dad uh, normally for dependent coverage through uh, his employer he would be paying a pretty healthy chunk for you unless you're one of several siblings. I am one of several siblings. So essentially you're older brother. Essentially you're free likely on your dad's plan. Yes. Okay. So that makes it pretty tough to want to buy a, a plan through your employer. Do you know is there any requirement is your dad checked if there's any requirement that as a dependent, 
if you're offered health coverage where you work, if you have to leave the plan that your dad has, or are you allowed to stay even if you are full-time employed at a place with health benefits? Um, I haven't checked that yet, but I know that's what, that is something that would kind of make force me to make a decision. Right. So if you're not forced to do that, uh, even though I love the ability for you to pop money in an HSA, seems to me that you're best off staying on your dad's plan where you're not having to pay anything and he's not having to pay anything. The employer is absorbing the cost, his employer, till you do hit your 26th birthday. Okay. So that sounds good to me. So the the one the one uh, possible gotcha would be if they do have a disqualifying requirement in there when you do have access to employer provided health coverage. So that's something he may okay. have to find out. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. con- congratulations to you for getting out of school, getting a job, doing what you love. I bet you're getting a real nice starting salary as well. Yeah, I can't complain. It's re- pretty good. That is really great. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. How are you today, Clark? Great, thank you. So you've got an older luxury car you want to run by me. Yes, sir. What I was wondering, I see so many of these um, commercials for buy a used car warranty. You know, we'll fix your car and put you in a rental car because we know repairs are expensive these days. That's why I drive an older car. I'm Clark Smart, so I know to pay cash for a car instead of financing. And I just wondered if you knew of any of the used car protection programs that are worth the money that they cost. How old is the older car you're driving around? Well, I have an 03 and an 06, but they are both low miles. One has 133,000, the other has 155,000. So they're just teenagers at this point in their mileage life cycle. So That's right. They're just broken in good. Yeah, there is no such thing as a legit extended warranty on a used vehicle of those ages. Well, the wife was right. What do you know? Of course she was right. She's always right. But as far as uh, buying one anyway, typically you'll pay for one that would have been newer and, and may have been eligible for a manufacturer's extension. You're still looking at paying thousands of dollars for that extension right. of warranty. And even though your 03 and 06 are light on miles for their age, the cost of uh, the value of the vehicles at this point, if you had a major repair, uh, you might not actually want to pay for that repair. You might want to go find another older vehicle you can pay cash for. So uh, at this age in the cycle of these vehicles, you would not want to try to insure them, even if legitimately you could. Okay, well, wonderful. So well, keep, I certainly so, appreciate your time. And uh, thank you for setting a great example for others, having a vehicle that's 16 model years old and 13 model years old. That is extraordinary and great, and it means you're driving you. or nearly free. That's just about right. Uh, the the fuel in the older luxury vehicle is uh, it uses a little bit of gas. You know, it's got the bigger motor, but I, it was kind of a bucket list car that I thought I would never own because it was very pricey when it was new. 
But even with its age, with the low miles, it's it's almost like a new car, and it's in very good condition. So I figured I can't go wrong, pay cash, and listening to you, I've learned a lot, and I just found out exactly what point your credit rating goes from good to excellent, and that's thanks to you. Well, thank you for that compliment, but really, you're the teacher today setting such a great example, not making transportation a major part of your budget by being willing to drive older vehicles. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com, and producer Joel asks it. Clark, Robert wrote in, he said, while I'm enrolled in school, do I have to continue paying on my loans, and how can I qualify for student loan forgiveness? So the only loans that you have complete freedom on are what are known as subsidized Staffords. On subsidized Staffords, you don't have to make payments, and there's no interest charged while you're enrolled in school. Unsubsidized Staffords, you don't have to make payments till 180 days after you complete your studies, but interest accrues over the years. Most other loans, you both have to make payments on them and have interest accrue even while you're in school, particularly with most loans from private lenders. I very much discourage you from taking out any private loans. On the issue of forgiveness, forgiveness only applies to federal loans, and the way forgiveness works is very complicated. I have some briefing information for you on that at Clark.com, but you must jump through every single paperwork hoop perfectly when you finish school to qualify for loan forgiveness. The program that's been such a scandal is the public service loan forgiveness program for police officers, firefighters, teachers, and others in service work that's supposed to lead to full loan forgiveness after 10 years. The education department is rejecting over 99% of people who've completed their 10 years of payments saying they didn't do every bit of paperwork right. All right, Clark, on that education note, Travis had a question. I have a nephew that wants to set up a 529 account. I read your article suggesting that grandparents owning a 529 account could work against the grandchild on financial aid applications. Is the same thing true for uncles and aunts? Yes, and that's a moving target right now, how that is working. If you trust the parent of the child or parents of the child, it's best to give them the money to put in the 529 that the parent will own. If you don't trust them, don't worry about the financial aid angle. You own the account for the benefit of a niece or nephew. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.